Hello, world. Max Sports is here again. Hopefully, we're not having the technical difficulties we were yesterday. I've been getting really frustrated with how the lack of uploading. This has really thrown off my schedule. So I'm hopefully this this uploads fine. We're back to our normal Max Sports Monday through Friday uh, uploads. I have an interesting thing that I realized, and it took me. Uh, my mother actually helped me uh, realize it. Um, I cursed a player. Uh, in previous episodes, word for word, I was talking about mock drafts and prospects, and I named Jalen Carter, which, if you haven't heard by now, is a top prospect that was apparently involved in a drag race that involved one of uh, his former teammates and a coach getting in a car wreck that ended up uh, losing. Well, they both passed away. We'll keep it that way. Um, where. He had fled the scene, and he's dealing with some legal issues right now, some misdemeanors. I didn't realize that I had cursed Jalen Carter. <laughs> my mom was listening to my uh, episodes, and she had told me, she's like, I listened, and you had talked about this Jalen Carter kid, and you said that he's probably going number one um, as long as he doesn't get arrested. And I actually, <laughs> that actually reminded me. I I, I word for word was like, you know, I see Jalen Carter as the top prospect. A lot of people, he'll be the first one off the board, uh, barring a quarterback. You know, he's the top prospect. And as long as he, you know, unless a quarterback gets injured or he gets arrested. He... <laughs> so sorry for uh, cursing, cursing in there. Um, Got to be careful about what kind of <laughs> words I use <laughs> from now on. You don't want to get other players arrested. Maybe I'll use this to help out my team. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers doesn't do anything illegal and get in trouble. <laughs> we'll see how that one works. But with all that being said, um, today I just got some, we're just going to go around the NFL. I'll give you some fun takes. I love the fact about that I'm just ruining players' careers without even trying with this uh, curse here. Um, I found an interesting article. I've seen other people talk about it as well. But uh, I wanted to share my thoughts on the player surveyed worst teams in the NFL to play for. Um, I thought there was a very interesting name on there and I will let you guys guess before we get into our first segment today, take a guess on who is the last team. We'll be doing the worst teams than the best teams. That'll be our first segment today. Part two will be around the NFL. Uh, just some random chat and have fun. Uh, with all that being said, let's get into our episode. It's been long enough. Let's go. Good to be back. So we have our worst and our best teams to play for this year. We'll do worst first because it's 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 pretty fun to do. We'll do the bottom five. So we'll start with 28. This is the 28th worst team, according to players, to play for. And that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Apparently, due to the uh, conditions um, of their locker room, of some of their facilities, this was the biggest issue when it came to Jaguars players. They said the biggest... <laughs> The biggest concern was the rat infestation that was reported for almost a month this season. There were rats in the locker room and the laundry hampers. 
Nice. Now, they did say that they were uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are open to a new practice facility this year, and it said over 95% uh, of the players have confidence and their owner's willingness to make upgrades. I think this is a good thing because they have a budding young team. And this was actually something I thought about um, when I was kind of reading on how some of these organizations are run. You wonder sometimes if that affects free agency. Sometimes people look at free agency as like a market or a destination, whether it's contending for a Super Bowl or, you know, playing in Dallas or playing in Miami due to the location or the market where you're a bigger star, obviously, if you're playing in L.A. than you are playing for, you know, the Tennessee Titans or something like that. So that was something that I, was, I thought was intriguing. You wonder if you look at some of these teams that kind of struggle to contend at times, maybe there's a reason why. Because they don't, people don't want to play for your team. So with all that being said, we get into the next one. And this was the big surprise to me. Would you have guessed that when it comes to players, players are actually pretty disgruntled with the Kansas City Chiefs? According to USA Today, the Chiefs players would love to see their outdated facilities upgraded. Now, only f- just under or just over 50% of the players feel like their owner is willing to invest, making him the sixth worst among owners in this category. The players don't believe that their owner, Clark Hunt, is willing to invest in their facilities. I know Arrowhead Stadium is one of the oldest ones. I think it's still Arrowhead Stadium. I might be wrong. It might be some random sponsored stadium now, uh, but everyone calls it Arrowhead. Come on now. Arrowhead Stadium is one of the older stadiums in the league, so I, I've i never really been. I hate to say it. My team plays in a dome. I've never been in an outdoor-weathered NFL game. I would love to. It's something that I would love to do, travel all over the world and go to different NFL stadiums. I've seen the time, but I've never got to experience an outdoor game. I've always wondered how, in an older stadium like that, do Chiefs fans actually – obviously, it's a great environment, but do they actually enjoy the stadium? I know you could say like because it's kind of older, um, it's kind of got more culture to it. It's been around for a long time. Maybe they embrace it. Um, But I know there are some state-of-the-art stadiums that almost feel like luxury hotels just to sit in. So, uh, again, it is an interesting thing to think about. Number 30 is the Los Angeles Chargers. Should be the San Diego Chargers. And that completely explains everything right there. I mean, the biggest critique with the Chargers uh, is that they're in limbo with a new practice facility that is still in the making. I think, honestly, again, when it comes to the Chargers, they're a mess. Think of how they played in an MLS stadium, for those who don't know, Major League Soccer, which was about a fourth or if that of an NFL stadium when it comes to capacity. So they, they moved from San Diego, abandoned their fan base, moved on all of this junk just for them to not be able to even play in a real NFL stadium. And then they lease out uh, SoFi stadium, which I believe is in, I believe the Rams own the chargers rent. Um, it's a mess. And I don't think that they have state of the art, uh, facilities mainly due to the fact I think that their owner is cheap. Uh, Spanos has come out as a cheap, I will said cheap, uh, you know what, but cheap donkey, we'll say that. He's been a cheap donkey for a while, and, a, you know, <laughs> I'm saying that as the guy that, you know, 
he could wipe his butt with the amount of money I have in my bank account and not flinch. But uh, what I'm saying is he's had opportunities to make better decisions when it comes to facilities, when it comes to the stadium. Uh, and it hasn't been the case. The Chargers wanted a new stadium. He wasn't able to provide that. Now they're pretty much renting out of uh, Big Brother's pockets, you know, when it comes to borrowing their stadium. Next on the list, I don't think surprises anyone. If you looked at the field of the Super Bowl, it would be the Arizona Cardinals. They have the lowest faith. According to players, they have the lowest faith in the willingness to invest is Michael Bidwell, the Arizona Cardinals owner. Players have the least amount of faith in him to invest in their in their uh, facilities. Uh, they have the worst ranked weight room in the NFL. They're the only team to deduct players for dinner. So if you order food through, you know, with the Arizona Cardinals, with meals provided, they literally just deduct it out of your paycheck. They're the only team in the NFL to do that. And should, and that's if players want to get food from the facility. Of course, it's not forced, but they received an F grade in five of their eight categories. Now, the only ones that they received high ones in, which is actually important, is strength coaches, training staff, and team travel. So... It's not fun to be there. At least they have good coaches, which is something you do need. Training staff, coaches are important to bring culture to it. But again, the fact that they are the only team charging people for meals. Now, to be fair, not every NFL team does provide meals. But this is the only one that charges people, deducts it from their paycheck. The majority of NFL teams provide food and do not pay or charge their players to eat their food. So that is something that I, I could see as a big criticism. And again, like I said before, you wonder if this does affect how people view teams when it comes to free agency. Why would I want to play for a cheapskate that is going to deduct 40 bucks from my paycheck after I just, you know, made a ton of money for him playing on the field. At the end of the day, it's a business. They make money for each other, obviously, but you'd still be a little irritated about it knowing that everyone else in the business doesn't do it. And I've given you plenty of time to guess. Drum roll, please. The worst team in the NFL. The Washington Commanders. Who would have guessed having a great guy like Dan Snyder as their owner he is ranked only one spot above uh, Michael Bidwell. I don't know if that's really any – if that if I'm Michael Bidwell, I'm fuming. Like, Daniel Snyder has done probably 45 things to make people not only hate him but want him banned from the league, and you couldn't beat him. You couldn't beat him. Yikes. Um, when it comes to the confidence and the ability to upgrade his facilities, he is second to last. Um, the strength coaches were considered one of the highest groups for him, but, uh, players ranked Washington's operations and facilities at the bottom of every single category. They were by far the worst. They wanted more locker room space. They wanted improvements. There's a lack of water and drainage issues. Yeah. And apparently they are one of six teams that require their young players to have roommates. Now, obviously there are more, you know, there are more you know, teams than just them doing it. But knowing that their stadium also had sewage leaks where there were fans just getting sewage water dumped on them from bursting pipes in the middle of commander's games. One, 
you couldn't pay me to actually watch the Washington Commanders and go to that stadium. But on top of it, I'm not wearing <laughs> a, a poo water jersey <laughs> for three hours just to watch the Commanders lose. If there's a way to describe, honestly, Washington, it's poo water. So until they get new ownership that actually wants to invest in their facilities, again, you could probably wonder why. When was the last time there was a big free agent signing going to Washington? Unless you want to consider that being Carson Wentz, but I, I'm pretty sure that was a, well, one that was a trade. But <laughs> people don't go to Washington to like build a, like their resume of being like an elite player. It's like to catch cash a paycheck. <laughs> With that being said, though, let's go to our top five teams in the NFL. Again, these are brought to you by USA Today. This is the article I'm getting it from. I'm just kind of adding my thoughts on each team and maybe breaking down why. The number five team is Jerry Boy, the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? The Cowboys were were ranked first or tied first in most of the categories. The only thing that players have an issue with is their training room being understaffed. And they do not actually allow uh, or offer the players first-class seats for travel. Bit of a hierarchy thing going on here. Uh, they sit and coach while coaches and staff sit up front. Now, again, these these players are getting really nice, you know, rides in, in airplanes, so I'm not too concerned about it. I don't think it's the end of the world. Again, you're getting, you're probably getting a pretty nice seat. I don't think they're cheap. Jerry Jones is not a cheap guy. He likes showing off the toys he has, you know, Jerry World. He wants to have the nicest stadium. I'm not... I'm not crying for these <laughs> the cowboy players in the in the seats, but overall it seems to be a decent place to play, and I think it also affects the fact that they can sign a lot of players. They seem to do well in free agency and attract young players. Uh, could be a reason why they are successful. Uh, I know not getting past the wild card round, but I'm saying as a successful franchise, usually they are a pretty solid team in the NFL. Next, we have the Houston Texans, surprisingly, out of all of these teams. Uh, they ranked fourth among all teams. Most people were pleased about their travel. Uh, that's what ranked top in the survey. They love staying home and not in team hotels for games, which is nice, too. Um, the biggest complaint was that they are uh, one of only two teams that did not offer either a steam room or a sauna. Again, that's not the end of the world. Most of these people have pretty good uh, facilities when it comes to hot tubs, cold tubs, you know, the showers. Most of the stuff state of the art. It's very nice. Now, again, you you might get a, you know, some poo water dro dropped on you by Dan Snyder, uh, but but who knows? You know, you're not playing for the Commanders at least. Uh, number three was the Vegas Raiders. I think that's a really good choice for them. Obviously, they have a brand new facility in Vegas. A lot of their facilities are going to be top of the line. Um, the They said the – wow, I'm stuttering all over myself here. Uh, one slight Raiders issue. Um, they said hmm, – this is not a shocker and a surprise, but listen here. Uh, the Raiders said that Coach Josh McDaniels is less likely to listen to his players and keeps them for longer hours than other coaches. Uh, seven of eight coaches who have made most of their players' time reached the playoffs last season, though. So this was a double standard. So the Raiders people think that Josh McDaniels doesn't really listen to his players, and he keeps them for a long time. Now, like the article said, 
most of the coaches that made the playoffs or made made the playoffs kept their players for extra time. However, though, this does show into the Josh McDaniel McDaniel's coaching tree, though. A lot of Belichick disciples, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Josh McDaniels for the second time now. I feel like sometimes when they leave New England, they act like they are Patricia or Patricia um, Belichick. When they are, you know, hey, I've won titles, I've won rings. At the end of the day, though, you were part of the tree. You know, you were a, a root. Belichick created the, you know, the organization with with uh, Robert Kraft. And, you know, we all know the Patriots dynasty. I think that Josh McDaniels getting reports to being someone that doesn't listen to his players is a great reason on why the Vegas Raiders, who were supposed to be a playoff contender this year, kind of slumped around most of the season. The last two, number two runner-up would be the Miami Dolphins. They had a lot of grade A's and things. Um, I think their practice facility, they just got a brand new one. They've done a lot of renovations towards their uh, stadium. I'm trying to remember what the name is. Is it Hard Rock Field? I think it's Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, I'm looking it up right now just so I don't get it wrong. Hard Rock Stadium, yes. They got kind of a canopy. One really interesting thing about their stadium that has gotten some uh, uh, kind of genius when it comes to their renovations that they've done with it, it used to just be uh, uh, there was no canopy. It was just kind of an open stadium, but they kind of put this canopy dome sort of thing over it. But the interesting thing about it is how they designed the stadium, the light shines directly on the road team's bench the entire game. So early on in the season when you're still having some summer weather and, uh, you know, in September and uh, and sometimes into October if you have a hot day, you got teams maybe from Buffalo, New England, uh, you got the Jets coming in expecting cold weather and they're sitting on a bench with the heat. That could be like 100 degrees. And that could be, you know, it's a cool advantage that the Dolphins have done with the stadium. I think it looks very modern nowadays with the renovations that they've done. And that's one of the things that uh, Miami's players give them a lot of credit for. They also respect the coaching staff, trainers, strength coaches. Their only recommendation was a better post-game family area with more accessibility for players' families. This was actually something I learned reading these articles about these teams, the good and the bad, was I didn't actually really think about this. Some of these NFL franchises provide daycares for the kids while the uh, the players are on the field, uh, whether that's in the stadium or whether there's just a local daycare um, that, that is provided through them. That's a really interesting thing that I, I didn't really think of that. That's actually really cool. So you learn something new every day. Maybe you learn that. Maybe I've just been living under a rock like Patrick from SpongeBob. Who knows? With our final selection, though, the best team when it comes to uh, player uh, surveys was the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, they got the highest praise, uh, mainly due to the fact that the staffing and facilities got huge uh, um, praise. Uh, They have a state-of-the-art practice field, state-of-the-art stadium. I'm so bad, I wish I knew the uh, stadium uh, name because it's been been a while now. I remember the Metrodome, but... um, Stadium. It is the what is the name? U.S. Bank Stadium. I knew it was one of the banks. Um, 
I've seen the inside of it. It kind of looks like a big turtle, <laughs> but uh, the inside of it looks so nice. Honestly, I would love to take a trip to Minnesota sometime if my Detroit Lions were going there, spend a weekend up there, watch a game in Minnesota. I don't think their fans are as bad as Bear fans, obviously. But, um, no, I really – it would be a cool stadium to see in real life. It looks very uh, comforting and just state-of-the-art, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, they got a lot of appraisal for that. They received A grades in every category, including four A-plus grades and only one A-minus. I'll be honest, maybe this is why a team that gave up more points than they scored on the season ended up going, I think they had 12 or 13 wins. That's Maybe that's how you do it. You're living in comfort. You're providing the best kind of stuff for your staff and your team. Maybe that's why they play hard, and maybe that's why the Washington Commanders didn't realize uh, that they were, <laughs> for those who don't remember, um, later in the season when Washington was still fighting for a playoff spot, Head coach Ron Rivera, River, River, Riverboat Ron, um, had uh, started Carson Wentz in a game after they had slumped with uh, Taylor Heineke. They started him in a game, uh, I believe it was against the Browns. And if they had lost and the Packers had won that day, uh, that actually eliminated them from playoff contention. And he did not actually know about that. You know, who knows? Washington's a mess. But with all that being said, we will now be moving into our second topic of today, NFL headlines. All right, welcome to part two of today's episode. Surprise, surprise, I have scrapped NFL headlines today. Personally, the only thing that I can find in NFL news today besides a couple players being franchise tagged and a couple players being cut here or there it's mainly just some uh jalen carter issues and personally until more news comes out about it i really don't want to address his draft stock or where teams could select him he's involved in a situation that had two people lose their lives and until there's a real update on if he's facing some issue, you know, some charges or whatever the case happens. We'll address it when that time comes, but I don't want to make a whole segment out of that. It's not, not okay with me. So with all that being said, we'll just do a new topic that I'm coming up with as I'm talking. So I thought of something that is pretty interesting. NFL draft is coming up. What teams need a good draft the most? The reason why I say this is because I think there are teams that are competing for Super Bowls every year. There are then teams in a tier list behind. There are teams, you know, fighting for the division or a wild card berth. But we really know they're not going to go much further than that. An example, this year's teams, I kind of thought of like the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jaguars, they they were fun stories. It was cool to see unique teams in here, you know, like Miami and Jacksonville, teams we haven't seen in a while, make the postseason, and, you know, even Jacksonville won a game. But there are also teams that could leap into that Super Bowl category, depending on it. I have a, sh a short list of teams that I really wanted to talk about that brought some interest to me and what they could do to get to the next level. There's one team that's kind of been hovering around the middle that I think could be, you know, could 
have the potential to really take a step forward next year. This might surprise some people because they do have a, a lot of veterans on them, but that's more on the defensive end. On the offensive end, they're very young still, and that would be the Pittsburgh Stowers. They have had a lack of an identity since Big Ben has left. Unfortunately, you know, they've kind of just been hovering around the middle. They didn't make the playoffs this year, but they didn't have a losing record. Bottom line is they they are a very good team. The fact that they got nine wins shows that there is talent on this team. I think part of the reason why they struggled is they had a really, uh, really rough start uh, to their season, dropping games to the Patriots at home, dropping games to the Jets at home. Obviously, they got blown out by the Bills, what, week five? They, they had a very rough start to the season. They had some very quality opponents to start the year, and with a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett, they really never got their momentum until later on in the year. People don't want to remember, you know, think about this though, but they did win a lot of their games to end their season. They won seven of their last nine games, which is ridiculous. They started off really bad. So seeing a team like Pittsburgh with a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett who figured out to win games could need a very big draft to add some pieces, maybe to their offensive line, maybe get a corner of some sorts. I feel this might surprise some people, but depending on Kenny Pickett's uh, ability to uh, work on his game and really grow as a quarterback this year, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers could be a team that not only competes for the division, but wins it. This might be surprising because everyone's thinking about the Bengals. Oh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. He's the best. He, he could be better than Mahomes. Burrowville, or whatever they were calling uh the Chiefs stadium. Bottom line is Pickett's only going to get better. He struggled as a rookie, like most rookies do, but in another year under that offense, adding some good young pieces in the draft, having a, it's the most expensive, but having a veteran defense led by TJ Watt, as long as he stays healthy. I look at the Steelers as a team that can only really grow next season. Whereas I look at the Bengals who have, Free agents like T. Higgins, Hayden Hurst on offense. You have a lot of cap room put into Joe Mixon, who's made some questionable decisions off the field. We don't know, you know, what his future could be in Cincinnati. And then you got Joe Burrow, who's probably going to be looking at half a billion dollars with a quarter of a billion guaranteed in his next contract. They're competing now because he's on a rookie deal. What happens when that's expired? Are you going to be able to bring Jamar Chase back and T. Higgins? What about your offensive line that can't keep Burrow upright? How are you going to be able to afford that? So even if they aren't necessarily a Super Bowl contender next year, I will say I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a very, very bright future when it comes to the fact that they have a young quarterback who, despite struggling at times throughout the season, they were able to find ways to win games. And at the end of the day, that is what matters in the NFL. Nobody looks at the score. They look at the win or the loss. So that is a team I am really fond of going into next year. Another team that I have a lot of interest in that I think one good draft could really put them in contention for you know a championship or at least a divisional round. This might shock some people, but it's I've kind of changed on, on people. I know I kind of ripped on this one uh, 
coaching hire early. I'm actually starting to really like what the Carolina Panthers are doing. I think that they have some young talent on the team already, whether they address their, you know, hole at quarterback with a free agent like Derek Carr or a CJ Stroud in the draft or Will Levis or something like that. I think Frank Reich is an experienced offensive coach who's proven to be able to win games in the league. I think they're in a very weak division. And let's be honest, if you win your division, you're getting a home playoff game. And you win that home playoff game, whether it's the wild card or the divisional round, you're only two games from the Super Bowl. Sounds crazy, but winning the division is very important in the league. I think I think it's a lot harder of a road as a wild card team than it is a divisional winner. So in a weak division, knowing that they could get a home playoff game with a I think a good draft, whether it's establishing, you know, getting one of the elite, maybe corners or pass rushers with their pick number ninth overall, or and taking like a Derek Carr or taking a future quarterback in the draft and using the cap room that could go towards a veteran and addressing needs, maybe on the defensive line, pass rushing linebackers, or maybe another corner that could really make a team that could compete for the playoffs faster than a lot of people want to give them credit for. I know it was a weak division last year, but I think Carolina outperformed their expectations, even with an interim coach and Frank Reich is a proven winner in the league. He's been able to, to turn around teams. He helped the Colts get to the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. Um, I think he's a proven winner in this league. I'm starting to turn around on the Carolina Panthers. I'm liking a little bit more. Another team that I have high, high hopes. That was a terrible. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, a team that has great potential to me is actually the Dallas Cowboys. Now, we all rip on the Cowboys for choking in the playoffs, but I will say it this way. They have a lot of cap room put up in Ezekiel Elliott. If they can move on from him, Dallas's big free agent issue was last year. They lost a lot of names last year and weren't able to bring everyone back. I think this year they'll be able to kind of reload, restructure some of the deals, move positions that are maybe saturated when it comes to amount of cap room that they're putting towards these players and find holes uh, whether it's their offensive line, whether it's maybe adding another weapon with C.D. Lamb. I think they could move on from players like Dalton Schultz. They could move on from players like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, freeing up cap room, whether they go for a star running back like Bajan Robinson in the draft. We saw what happened with Dallas last time. They had a really good rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott. Get a good O-line, get a young stud running back. You could argue that, a lot of people are saying Bijan Robinson is the closest thing to what we've seen as Saquon Barkley as a draft prospect in recent years. The Giants look pretty good when Saquon's playing. I think that the, the Cowboys have a better overall roster. Wouldn't hurt to see something like, like Bijan Robinson playing for the Dallas Cowboys. I think if they can add some more talent to their offense when it comes to skill positions, freeing up cap room um, at the running back position, whether that's, you know, cutting Zeke, restructuring Zeke, moving on from Tony Pollard. I don't think Pollard should be franchise tagged. Whether it's moving on from Dalton Schultz, getting a, a rookie tight end, or signing a different one in free agency. Uh, overall, I think the, the Cowboys have the ability to make moves in the draft or, or make draft selections that could push them over the hunt next year. I look at the Eagles and I look at their offensive line, which most of their – their elite offensive linemen are now over 30. 
the fact that Miles Sanders is going to be a free agent. A lot of their skill, uh, skilled defensive players are going to be free agents as well. I could see uh, Philly still being a playoff contender, but maybe he's taking a slight step back next year. I think Dallas could fill the hole as long as Mike McCarthy doesn't get in the way too much. From a roster standpoint, I mean, obviously everyone looks at the Cowboys roster and thinks that they could win the Super Bowl every year. But when it comes to a roster standpoint, I think a good draft really could help solidify that Cowboys team. Now I have my final team, and this is the one I'd honestly be most excited for. That is the Seattle Seahawks. They have some moves that they can make when it comes to Geno Smith. And while they have not committed to a deal with Geno Smith yet, they have all of the assets that they they could use when it comes to draft capital to not only build a legit contender in Seattle once again, but they could also find their future franchise quarterback. I know a lot of people love the story of Geno Smith being, you know, a, a real comeback player, playing his absolute heart out, being arguably a top seven quarterback in the league this year, which is just absurd. He played amazing. Here's the problem, though. He's a free agent. He's 32. And what are you going to do? Lock him up for four years until he's 36? I don't want 36-year-old Geno Smith. Now, what they might be able to do is get him on that kind of deal where they can restructure his deal, where they can opt out of it in later years, or it'll be easier to cut or move on from. And whether it's this year or next year, use the assets with the Russell Wilson trade to get your future quarterback. Seattle could have a very, very, very bright future soon. They already have a lot. A lot of their players are young. Some of them were rookies. Both of their starting tackles were rookies this year. They have a stud running back in Kenneth Walker. If they can develop that offensive line and use Kenneth Walker, who really emerged this year as a a true starting running back, they obviously have experienced weapons, whether it's their deep threat, genetic freak in DK Metcalf, or it's their, you know, crafty, you know, scrappy receiver in Tyler Lockett, who is an absolute monster when it comes to the red zone. He actually is really uh, good catching ability there. I, I just kind of read a stat on that the other day. He like never drops balls near the red zone. So they have skill positions. I think being able to use their draft capital to get the future quarterback for Seattle, even if it means Geno Smith is coming back for now is very crucial to them. But on top of it, they have picks on picks on picks due to that Russell Wilson trade. So they have the capital to get several quality starters in next year's draft. I think if San Francisco can't get their quarterback situation fixed with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, who knows what's going to be the case there. We still don't know what's with LA. I know a lot of the players say they're coming back. Stafford says he's coming back. McVay, the head coach is coming back. Aaron Donald is. They're all getting older though. Stafford is now one of the oldest starting quarterbacks in the league, which might surprise some people. Did me. He's 34. He's not young. And he just got beat up a lot last year. Unless LA can address their offensive line, I don't think their offense will ever be as potent to to help outscore what their defense will give up. So I look at a team like Seattle, and I truly believe that if they can add more talent to the team and San Fran can't get their stuff together, I think Seattle could be a dangerous team next year. What do you guys think? Do you think any of those teams I named were, were good at all? 
I thought this would be a more interesting topic because I like looking, you know, I I made a special episode with the Lions breakdown where I kind of broke down their offseason because I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. If you would like to see a, a breakdown of your favorite team, I know I got a couple buddies that cheer for different teams. Um, if you want to see a specific team get broke down, I love doing like salary cap talk, draft position, trades, free agents. I love doing that kind of stuff. I might do another special episode involving a team that I find interest in. Maybe it was one of those contenders on how I could help build this team to be a contender next season or something fun like that. So if you like that, I do have a Q&A comment section on Spotify. I will be looking forward to uh, seeing comments if I get any. Um, with all that being said, I can, you know, find a, a comment and make a whole video on it. If someone wants to hear me talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Philadelphia Eagles or whatever the case is, I'd love to be able to provide content that makes my viewers and listeners happy. So with all that being said, thank you for your time. Glad to be back. It's been a rough couple days with all the power outages and random mess ups with this, uh, with my recording software. So I'm glad to be back. It means more to me than you guys even know. So thank you for staying till the end. Take care.